So I'm going to put this out there and you're probably going to think I'm absolutely insane. What if you could put a process in place in your business and in your sales and marketing process to where 90% of your revenue every single year came from repeat business and referrals? 90% is a lot. Don't get me wrong. But if you go in and look at the sales data from the last year, you might be surprised to find out you know, how much revenue is actually being generated from these activities. But the reason I picked 90% is because one, it's a good thing to shoot for every year. And two, my guest today, David Luttberger, who worked numerous years in the industry, he had his own remodeling business. At the tail end of his career, owning that business, 90% of his revenue was coming from repeats and referrals. Now, trust me, I get it. If you're a high volume business and you're doing a ton of revenue every year, this may not seem feasible, but there's a lot of things I think you can take from David's strategies and apply it to your business to where you can start seeing that percentage tick up from repeats and referrals. I mean, at the end of the day, why not make that one of your strongest channels? It's not rocket science. Really, it's all about building strong relationships with customers. The problem is, and there's actually two of them, is number one, you don't have enough time to really put that much effort into each client, like build those relationships. Number two, you probably don't know how and the best way to go about it. So today we're going to tackle number two because I haven't quite figured out how to put more hours in a day yet. One of these days we're going to figure that out on the podcast, but not today. David Luppberger is my guest today. Um, like I said, he owned a remodeling company for a number of years before he became a consultant. He worked with psychologists. He worked with doctors. He went head on into learning what makes a customer come back to your business for a high consideration project. And what makes them tell their friends and family about the business and get excited. So we're going to cover all of that stuff today. He's got some great insights. I think there's a ton of value here. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and kick this episode off. Again, this is David Luppberger, who is the CEO and owner at Remodel Force. I hope you enjoy. This is a podcast for home improvement and home services marketing. This is Built Button. So you've got to be adaptable. You've got to find a way to accommodate an uncomfortable customer. If you're not getting the home advisor leads in the first five minutes, you shouldn't even do it. Hopefully we're eating their lunch while they're trying to get back up and running. building contractor i mean mm -hmm. we're going back you can see i'm i'm you know, and just make right from the beginning 60 is the new 40. are we clear about that that's clear yeah so remodeling you know for over 25 years and uh in the process of working in the washington dc area um i wrote a book called managing the emotional homeowner and um actually worked with a psychiatrist true story who had done a major addition on his home and a past client had referred me saying someone wants to talk to you. So I met he and his, his business partner at a restaurant, his business partner had also gone through a remodel and it was like a year later and both of them were still upset. And yeah. it's one of these, it's one of these conversations you never forget because they told me what had happened. And I just said to say, well, you know, what were you hoping I could do? They're saying, well, most people don't get to, most contractors don't get to hear this first person. Now, social media has changed some of this. Mm -hmm. but they said, we wanted you to hear what we went through. 
And I said, you know, I thought about putting together a, a, a guide, a manual to kind of help homeowners. And they stopped me. And it's one of those things I never forget because he said, you're not getting it. He said, homeowners go through this once or twice in their lives. You do this 10, 12, 14 times a year. And he said, here's the truth. You understand construction. You know how to build. What you don't understand is how to manage homeowners' emotions. If you did, you would change your industry. And I've never forgotten that conversation. Mm-hmm. And I said, you're right. And so we worked. He actually gave me content for this book of managing the homeowner experience. And once the book was published, um, it began to resonate. And suddenly I got contacted by local building groups. And then those those interactions started to grow of people mm-hmm. saying, because if you look at many times the content at some of these trade shows, they're not focused on the homeowner experience. Mm-hmm. And, and really simply, you're in someone's home. I'm on the residential side. You're in someone's home. You're around their children, their pets. That takes a special introduction, all right? Mm-hmm. And the uh, psychiatrist that also interviewed me then uh, introduced me to a doctor who had also gone through a renovation. And he just said, look, you guys have a unique job because once you've been in a homeowner's house after a certain, you know, several weeks, only their family physician knows more about that family than you do. And that was another thing that struck with me, stuck with me, that we have access to homeowners that no other service person has. A plumber is in for two or three hours, an electrician, a house painter, two or three days. If you're remodeling, depending on the scope of work, you can be in there for weeks. Yeah. And they can't hire you. They won't hire you until they trust you. So this is really about how do I communicate the intangible trust and integrity that I bring to their project? Yeah. And so everything you're going to hear me say, this is a relationship-driven business, not just with your clients. Mm -hmm. It's also now, I was the general contractor, so it's also with all my subs. It's with my suppliers, right? I've got people who will work with me, do what I need, respond to my call, go back when there's a problem. It's all relationship driven. Gotcha. Yeah. That's, that's fascinating. a long, long answer to your question. <laughs> no, it, it covers all the bases. It's a great primer. Uh, and you know, what I really want to dive into is, you know, the, you, you said the homeowner experience and this kind of fascinates me because, you know, what I'm seeing all the time and, you know, we have a habit as well as, as businesses are so focused on sales and marketing and, you know, generating leads, setting appointments, running those appointments, getting the revenue, booking the job, done. There's not much emphasis on this homeowner experience and really building that relationship, as you say, with with a homeowner. So in your words or your opinion, why is it such, it's a a simple concept, but it's such an overlooked part of the process. Is there there any reason why you you think to that? Is it the speed or, or I'd love to hear what you think there? You know, it's, it's an interesting question because when you think of people in the trades, if they really wanted to work with people, they may not have chosen to work with their hands. Mm. You know, I see a job. I want to do the job. Give me the scope of work. 
let me do what I have been trained to do. When you introduce the homeowner experience, you're now understanding that I didn't just sell a project. Mm -hmm. I sold an experience. And that experience is just as important as the project itself. Right. So what I, I always emphasize with contractors is don't be in a rush. Listen, understand that there's going to be some handholding in your project. Understand that there'll be time you'll just sit. You'll walk in the door. Happened to me on, on many occasions and you'll see a homeowner and you know something is on their mind. You can just see it in their body language. Some contractors will just, I've got to get to work. I'm going to recommend when you see that, and the body language is very clear, you just stop and say, is everything okay? Mm. And just checking in the emotional temperature and understanding that it's my job to manage their experience. And once you do that, and once you get a reputation for doing that, that's where 90 some percent of my work always came from referral. Yeah. I worked with somebody that was unique. All right. He didn't rush me. They listened to what I had to say. All right. There's a relationship that grows. Yeah. And, and I'm not selling price. I was never the cheapest. All right. And my analogy is, um, you know, you can buy a Chevy Malibu for 20 grand, 25 grand, good mm -hmm. car. It'll get you everywhere you need to go. But in my case, where I was, and perhaps with some of, you know, the people you work with, their clients are buying Mercedes and they're buying BMWs. And because of perceived value, mm -hmm. they don't mind paying twice because of the quality of that experience. So understand that if I can communicate an exceptional experience, people will pay for it. Not right. everyone, but the clients you want to work with, that's what they're paying for. Mm -hmm. An optimum experience that exceeds their expectations. And I'm circling back now to tradespeople who don't always want to communicate, who sometimes are more introverted. They want to work on the project. Right. And I really want to say, you know, you, you once you get into a home, depending on how long you're there, your extended family. And again, we did projects that had a little bit longer length. But understand it's a unique invitation to work in someone's home around their pets, children, and family. And don't take that for granted. Yeah, that that's fascinating, David. And you know, right now, especially that that happy customer, that building that relationship, I think is huge because, you know, but you mentioned 90% of your business was referrals and you know, reviews, repeats, things like that. Um, it's amazing to see that, uh, you know, being such a powerful revenue tool for you. It's, your business is earning you new business type thing. So, you know, going back to when you were talking about uh, when you met with the psychiatrist and, and things like that, you know, was that something you had the foresight to work towards or was it something that uh, you kind of found something worked when it came to connecting with customers that was helping that referral engine keep kind of going? And then that's where you kind of cut your teeth and learned how to, you know, start treating every customer like this. The, the, you know, I had that kind of sense before. Yeah. Which is when you're in someone's home, you know, treat, treat their home like your own, mm -hmm. you know, don't make any assumptions. I mean, treat their home. It is their home. But the, the meeting with the psychiatrist really drove it home. 
which is when they talked about their disappointment, they talked about expectations that weren't met, calls that weren't returned, promises that weren't kept. It was all about um, expectations once again, right? That that it they weren't fulfilled. Neither one complained, the psychiatrist or his partner. Neither one complained about price. It was all about the experience. It was never about the quality of the work. It wasn't about what they had done. It was the experience that they went through. That's amazing. So, you know, what did it mean for your business at the time? You know, were you, I don't know what you, what you were kind of doing there, if you were putting a lot of money into marketing or um, if you had a large sales team, it sounds like, you know, you were kind of running the show yourself. Uh, and this allowed you to kind of keep growing that business as a kind of smaller operation. Is, is that true or what is that? Uh, yeah, it was more of a boutique mm -hmm. remodeling firm. Gotcha. Where you think of working with certain people, very hands-on and, you know, larger firms, they just do it differently. Mm -hmm. There's a salesperson, there's a handoff, there's the production people. I mean, there's different people involved and they can deliver a good experience if they understand what's needed. And yeah. I was just smaller, you know, maximum four or five employees. Um, I sold me. And so sitting down, you know, from the first call, qualifying correctly. And it's what I do with contractors now. How do you qualify correctly? Last right. thing you can do is go out on an unqualified sales call. All right. It's a waste of half a day between mm -hmm. drive time going there, drive time back, getting reoriented. You've given up four hours of your day, all mm -hmm. right? Can't happen. So let's really focus on qualifying, communicating your experience, understanding does their expectation of their project, is their budget correct? Is their schedule, you know, amenable to yours? What research have they done? I need to communicate people that them buying materials is not in their best interest. Yeah. So I've got an independent uh, sheet I share, which is called the materials purchase script, where mm -hmm. I tell contractors, and this came from experience, every time I let homeowners buy products or bring in their brother-in-law, the electrician, it always went sideways <laughs> because I was losing control of the job. Mm -hmm. So it's how do I communicate that this is the reason your friends recommended me? I need you to understand that if you leave, I've got 15 years of dedicated supplier and subcontractor relationships. When I call, they respond. If there's a problem, they respond. When you call a Home Depot, when you call you know, a Lowe's, you don't have that leverage. You don't have that relationship. Mm -hmm. So let me do my job. So again, this just came through experience, which is it's like you become a specialist in construction. Right. Let let me manage the job. Yeah. And I, I it just took me years to learn when somebody said, well, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. Unless it was before I got started or after. But nothing in regards to when I'm on the job site, I had to learn to say no. And basically yeah. say it that doesn't work, but I can tell you why. And then you've got a decision to make. Now, if they came from a warm referral and they said, gosh, they couldn't say enough about you. When I'm talking, most people, good clients, when I explain, this is what we do, this is why we do this. Good clients will say, that makes sense. I understand. The clients who are more price-driven, 
who are more whatever. They're not the client I'm looking for. Yeah. And in this market, why not work for those 90% of people who want you to come in and manage it from beginning to end? They're busy. They've got things that are going on. They think they're going to save money. They won't. They mm -hmm. think they're going to save time. They won't. All right? It doesn't happen. So it's my job as the experienced party, as the expert, to communicate why this doesn't work. Mm -hmm. That's it's awesome, David. And it's actually a great segue into my next question, which is, you know, you look at the home improvement industry right now and it's a, you know, you know, booming market. Things are looking good. There's always that decline on the end. There's always the ebb and flow of everything, how it goes. And, you know, the companies that are looking ahead right now, I think are the ones that are going to benefit the most. And when they're booking out jobs, you know, eight to 12 months in advance, that customer relationship plays a huge part in this, especially if you want to get, you know, more repeats referrals down the road, because you're not going to have as much leads, as many leads coming in right now. So, right. Um, you know, a lot of businesses I feel like are getting a little fat and happy yeah. when they should be really focused on this home improvement, you know, this homeowner experience. Right. Um, in your opinion, uh, you know, is this something that you're seeing businesses do? Is this a, a thing that you think businesses are failing at? You know, what, what's, what's your take on how they can best leverage this to build out a pipeline, you know, for a few years? It, it depends on the business. Mm -hmm. Again, you know, if you've been to this for a while, you understand that all I'm selling is a relationship. Mm -hmm. And because they trust me, then I'll end up doing a project. So I always recommend once you begin, if you are engaging and moving forward, mm -hmm. even if I can't get on their job till, you know, January of 2022, right. then I tell people bi-weekly communicate, you know, touch base, mm -hmm. give them an update, send an article that might be relevant to what they're doing. The, the, the reason people get either upset or angry is, gosh, Matt forgot about me. I wonder if they're still on the schedule. You know, I haven't heard from Matt in six weeks now. All right. I wonder what's, and so suddenly they start, they're creating their own concern where I can short circuit that by having some form of regular communication. And Matt, I haven't forgotten about you. I know it's busy. I look, if something opens up, I'll let you know. But look, in the meantime, we're probably looking at January of 2022. We can still do some design. We can still do, we can still, what can we do? Mm. But my job is to let you know you're not in the rear of your mirror. All right. I'm thinking about what you want and I'm going to communicate in some systematic fashion. I never want you to think he's forgotten about me. Yeah. I, it's, it's so funny you mentioned that, you know, last week I had an episode where we were kind of talking about this and what it comes down to is that customer communication. Um, we had a podcast a few weeks ago with uh, uh, Tim Fowler of Remodeler's Advantage. Yeah. And he had a great point, which is, you know, he was reading somewhere and the quote was, in the absence of information, people start to make up their own ideas. Yeah. Of they the make up their own story. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So when it comes to that, you know, biweekly touch, you know, it, it, that was a great example you gave. But, you know, for anyone that's, you know, what I've seen is they kind of struggle with that, what to say to the homeowner. And it sounds like you just need to be cordial, you know, be yourself. Is, is that what you're? That's all. You're just calling and saying, you know, Matt, I know it's been a month since we spoke last. Mm -hmm. I haven't forgotten about you. All right. 
I know we've still got a, an extended schedule, but I wanted to touch base. When we talked last, we had said, you know, the following, has anything changed? It's a 10 or 15 minute conversation. Yeah. But, you know, if you do that, you know, once a month, then people don't make up those stories. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you encourage them to send you something. And if it's a certain kind of project, you know, if I get it, and honestly, as I read the trade magazines, and they're all online. So if I can see something, can I forward an article? And so I've really been focusing on these increased construction cost. So, man, I've pulled out some good articles and forwarded that to people really? saying, you know, this is what's going on. It's out of our control. But I want you to know, you know, so, so share things that may be relevant to their project. And right now with cost going, you know, up, 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 it's important for me, you know, to send something to someone and then say, look, this is what's going on. I can't control this, Mm -hmm. but I want you to be aware that this is going on. And then, you know, I hear stories where people saying they may postpone their project, you know, waiting for reduced cost. Well, the last article I had basically said, don't hold your breath because the only thing that's going to reduce cost is reduced consumer demand because there's so much demand. Retailers, why would you reduce the cost of products if they're in high demand? There's no reason. This is capitalism. So the only thing that's really going to reduce is reducing consumer demand will then force suppliers to say, how do we create more interest to sell? Then they may make some adjustments. That's not going to happen the rest of this year. All right. So understand those costs are going to be increasing perhaps, but simultaneously understanding that with two and a half percent, you know, mortgage rates, there was in one of the articles that pointed out that a $35,000 increase in construction cost in a 30 year loan at two and three quarter percent increase their payment by $168. So let me create that context for people, Yeah. which is, yes, it's going up, but you've got unprecedented low interest rates. Yeah. Take advantage of this. Put this money into the house. It's an asset that's growing in value. If you just keep your money parked in the bank at, you know, 0.5% interest, all I, and it may sound self-serving, but I'm saying, put the money to work. Mm-hmm. Your home will grow in value. Again, the, the timing's all yours, but I feel that's part of my job yeah. is to help them understand market trends, market conditions, what makes sense and what doesn't make sense. Yeah, it is, it's a consultant approach. You're uh, a consultative, you just nailed it. Yeah. All right. It's my job to come in and say, here's what I think, here's what I like, here's what we do, here's why we do it. Mm-hmm. And then the homeowner, the consumer makes a decision, but I'm not selling, you know, but the best um, reframing of sales I ever heard was you're not selling. My job is to really understand what you want. And it's only when I understand, do I know if I can help you? Mm. So if I can help you, then I'm going to make suggestions. And I kind of compare it to a doctor's diagnosis. If you see, a, you know, you got a bad elbow or a bad knee, you see a physician, they should sit down and they ask questions. Help me understand. Because mm-hmm. they don't know what to do until they've got a better understanding of the issue. We're doing the same thing. Help me understand. 
oh, by the way, you know, we've got some, I think we can help you. Here's what this looks like. I don't have to sell a darn thing. Yeah, I love that. It's a, you know, quite a different approach. You know, if you go to like WebMD and you type in uh, my knee hurts and they're like, well, you have bone cancer or something. It's, you have to, you can't diagnose just based on what they enter on your website, right? It's about building that, that, you know, conversation with the homeowner, finding out, really getting down to why they want that color or why they need that project done. So that's really cool, David. I, I, I love that approach. Um, you know, we're running up against time here. So I want to yeah. kind of wrap up with one last question um, that I like to ask all my guests, which is uh, last tip before we dip. So what's the number one piece of advice that you would give to anyone in the home improvement industry right now? I think I might be repeating myself here, but understand you sell an experience mm. and people will not hire you till they like you and trust you. So my job is to be very transparent and understand that because people are investing oftentimes a lot of money. Can I be honest, transparent and, and communicate that their experience is primary? I'm not just selling a project, I'm selling an experience. The outcome is a project. And all your clients, and I've done, I've done client surveys. You know, why did you hire a certain contractor? And I literally have said, what did they say? What did they do that allowed you to trust them, that allowed you to make that hire? And I've gotten back some wonderful feedback. And it is, they took the time to listen. They didn't rush. He gave me good ideas, all right? We had a budget, they worked within the budget, they clearly communicate, all right? They took on a challenging project. I've never seen one that said they were the cheapest, ever. <laughs> and I've done this with 20 different contractors. It's not that, all right? People want someone in their home they can trust to deliver what they've paid for where there's no regrets. I love that, David. That's. One of my favorite last tips that, that I've had on the show. So I think you nailed it there. Awesome, David. Well, uh, you know, I like to wrap up. I want to give you, you know, just a, a minute or two. If listeners want to learn a little bit more about you, where they can find you, you know, where they can learn more about uh, Remodel Force, uh, where, where should they go? It's uh, www.remodelforce.com. Mm -hmm. And after remodeling, you know, for 25 some years, I moved back to Colorado, which is where I grew up. And instead of starting a remodeling business, because I'm a little older, I found I could work with contractors, just sharing best practices. So literally I can start with the qualifying call, moving into you know getting a design agreement, putting together a good job package, putting together a, a, a schedule and expectations. And all we're doing is informing the homeowner of what a good project looks like. So I now do this with about 30 some clients now around the country. It's all virtual. Mm -hmm. And we just set up usually a call every other week. And specifically, I work on the business. You're too busy working in the business. Let's work on it a year from now. What are some things that you'd like to introduce, implement, put into play? So it's conversations like that. Awesome. www. Remodelforce.com. That's, That's awesome. It. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. 
Awesome, David. Well, I appreciate the time that you've given us today. Uh, I think this was a great podcast. I always love talking about this topic. It's, it's so fascinating to me, you know, changing that homeowner expectation, building a tr- like a relationship with trust and all that stuff. So, David, thanks so much. And again, until next time. Thank you so much. I appreciate the invite. Mm-hmm.